sisterhood of the bottomless mimosa. Titled this recording EpiPen 21. <laughs> I just noticed that. <laughs> Welcome back, listeners, to the Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. I'm CJ. I'm Melissa. And this is EpiPen 21. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. It just came to me. <laughs> um. So we wanted to let everybody know that we fucked up on episode 20's uploading of the audio which you may or may not have caught if you did catch it i'm sorry it's just a reminder that we're newbies and we need to become famous that real producers can actually produce our audio so we are going to skip an episode next week since we'll be in seattle for podcon but when you hear us next It will be our very first episode we've ever recorded face-to-face in the same room. So you don't want to miss episode 22. No, you don't. You can miss this fucking episode, but, like, come back. No, I like my lady today. Okay, I like my lady, too. (laughs) Just saying. If there's one episode, it's 22. Yeah, mark it it on your calendar. Set a pop-up notification. It's going down. Okay. What? Oh, and then I had a correction from our last episode, 2020. So I covered Barbara Walters, and I erroneously said in my coverage of her that she was the person to get Ricky Martin to say he was gay. Not so. What Barbara Walters did was ask him point blank in a, I think it was a 97 interview, if he was gay and he didn't answer. And she pressed him on it. Like, he said something like, everyone's sexuality should be their own private matter or something like that. Like, so he didn't say no and he didn't say yes. And she kind of pressed him on it. And that basically was when everybody was like, oh, Ricky Martin's for sure gay. Because he didn't answer the question. And it actually was kind of damaging to his career. So, like, shame on you, Barbara Walters. But she has actually, like, later in her career publicly apologized for it and said that she probably shouldn't have done it. But so he didn't say, yes, I'm gay. He actually said, it's basically, it's not your business. And so I got that wrong. Um, Whoops. Yeah. And you know, like Barbara Walters, you know, some of the women we co- we cover are like complicated, multi-layered women. And sometimes they do amazing things and sometimes they have snafus. And they're just, they're just real people like you and I. Yes. We never said that this was the sisterhood of the perfect mimosa. No. <laughs> oh my God. We should have like a whole podcast of us just trying to find the perfect mimosa. <laughs> let's stitch this like let's just go around the world and taste every mimosa at every bar what a goal let me get a goal yeah all right so we have to find the most perfect mimosa when we're in seattle fuck yeah yeah and pair it with some bomb ass oysters oh wait do you not oh yeah you don't but they aren't actually an animal yes they are no literally if you google it like the internet will tell you an oyster is not an animal I'm pretty sure it's an animal. No, they call it something different. A mollusk? It's <laughs> <laughs> like a classification of animal. <laughs> no, because like whatever a mollusk is, like isn't an animal. 
Like, it is not fall under the umbrella of, like, living animal. I'm Googling this right now. (laughs) Kingdom Animalia Suck My Clit. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oyster is the common name for a number of different families of saltwater bivalve mollusks that live in marine or brackish habitats. It says Kingdom is Animalia. Fine. Well, I'm going to be taking down a shitload of mollusks while we're in Seattle. Okay, cool. And you can watch me slurp each one down my throat. (laughs) That sounds disgusting. Paired with some bubbly. But I will drink wine and watch you do it. Okay. Wasn't there something else? You said you want to talk about... (laughs) So, I don't think I mentioned this in the last episode, but when I was in Miami... I came, so I came home from the airport and my chairs were missing off my front porch. And I was like, if this is not the most New Orleans thing of all time, like they were just these cheap plastic Adirondack chairs that a friend had given to me before he moved to Brooklyn and they were just gone. I was like, what the fuck? So my landlady who lives in the other side of what's called a shotgun. So we have like shotgun houses in New Orleans. So it's almost like a duplex is the easy way to think of it. She was, so she lives on the other side. And she, she was out of town and she's back and I texted her and I was like, hey, somebody stole the chairs off my porch while I was out of town. We have cameras on our front porch. So she runs the tape and like is going through the four days I was out of town looking for the thieves of my chairs. Apparently what happened was that it got so, like there were tornado warnings in New Orleans while I was in Miami. Apparently it got so windy that my chairs literally blew off my porch. And but just they, like took off down the street? Well, they went into the yard like enough <laughs> that they still were on camera and apparently like two women came by and saw them and just like walked off with them. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, well at least somebody didn't rob your chairs. I feel a little bit better about it, to be honest. I was like, okay, like it was... And I didn't see the footage, so I don't know how far out the chairs went. Like, they might have been in the street, and then they wouldn't have known whose house they belonged to, and whatever. So, my landlady was like, you should post to next door, wouldn't hurt. I don't even have an account, but I I feel a little bit better knowing that it wasn't just, like, a bunch of drunk college kids. But what about your doormat? I found... So, I thought my doormat had also been stolen, which was really low, because I was like, that is disgusting, moldy, covered in hair. It had just it had just blown off my porch onto my trash can, so they did not take the doormat, and it is still just sitting on my trash can, because I sure as hell am not going to touch it. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. So, either way you slice it, the most New Orleans story, either someone stole my chairs, or the weather stole my chairs. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, all right. Anything on your end? No, not really. No teeth flying out of heads? No. No teeth. No uh, animal warfare? No, no animal warfare. <laughs> Eyeball is still bloody. Really? Um, yeah. Here, I'm going to do a close-up on this FaceTime and see if you can okay. see it. Ew! <laughs> can you see it? Yeah. It's not that bad, but it's... Okay. Literally every single time someone looks at me, they say, oh my God, what happened to your eye? (laughs) Like, I'm going on over a week with this bloody eyeball. So that really fucking sucks. I know you Googled Um, it. What did Google say? No, I didn't Google it. What? No, I didn't even know how... You didn't Google something? (laughs) What kind of Virgo are you? Okay. 
okay so i did google it like right when i right when i was told that i had a bloody eye i'm like holy fucking shit i had no clue what could have possibly caused it like i didn't make the connection that my explosive vomiting had like blown out my eyeball and so when i googled it it had i all i had read was that sometimes like eyes have like internal rupturing during sleep and so i just thought that like that happened and then it wasn't until i went to work the next day and a girl was like holy shit did you throw up recently your eyeballs exploded and then that's when i put it really together but i refuse to go to the doctor that same girl keeps telling me to go to the doctor i'm just like no like i'm not going to the doctor okay one how many times do you think someone has asked another person did you throw up recently because your eyeball is bloody so yeah so she must be the expert though (laughs) and two like it'll just it'll just heal right that's what i thought it's just like any type of like bruise on your body you just wait for it to go away right if your head can let teeth grow back in i'm sure if you leave your eyeball alone it'll just regenerate itself yeah that's how i feel um I guess the only thing that I can uh, add to our little intro to let people know is that today we received a bit of um, our <laughs> props we plan on taking to PodCon, which included a large foam face cutouts of some of our favorite uh, episoded women. And I'm not going to tell you who they are um because we'll probably post or say more about it later but one of them showed up so small that it didn't even cover my own head which like (laughs) defeats the entire purpose of purchasing a large foam head on the internet so that was that was hysterical we had a really good laugh about that today um i'm just thinking of the person who cut that head must have also had a really good laugh that's like another person i need to have words with it's just like really fool really melissa has been shooting off emails not just to podcon to her airbnb possibly to the u.s postal service like she is ready to fight when a sagittarius moon and a virgo sun unite watch watch your inbox oh god i know but yeah that's it okay Shall we wine reveal? Wine reveal. You go first, because I'm still trying to muscle my way through mine. All right. Well, I need you to pay attention, because this is probably going to be a one-time deal. Okay. Today, I am drinking Chardonnay. (laughs) What? I know. Is it good? Well, okay, so the reason why I even have Chardonnay is because it was a gift from one of my vendors at work for Christmas, and I didn't have any other wine in the house, so it's literally last resort shit right now, so I'm drinking it. It's called William Hill, and I think it might be a good winery, because it's based out of Healdsburg, and it... I mean, it's better than most Chardonnays I've had, but I'm definitely not, like, fucking loving every minute of this. But I figure, you know what? It needs to be consumed at some point in time because I'm not going to throw this bottle away. So today's the day. And I don't fucking hate it, but, I mean... Yeah. It's Chardonnay. What a fucking trooper you are. I know. And so they gave me another bottle, too. They gave me a Cabernet Sauvignon... Or a Cabernet Sauvignon. And 
I hate that one also. Oh, no. Like, my two least favorite wines are Chardonnay and Cab. Oh, no. And those are the two bottles they gave me for Christmas. I'm like, fuck you, Regan. Fucking Regan. Who's Regan? (laughs) My warehouse vendor. You slut. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, smart of them to send alcohol. They just need to get my preference down. Yeah. Yeah. You should put it on your LinkedIn or, like, your email sig. Well, last year they gave me a Bible necklace, so this was a major upgrade. What? Yeah. Is that, like, legal? (laughs) I have no idea. Oh, my God. All right. Well, definitely went up. (laughs) Definitely stepped it up this year. Good job, Regan. Yes. So, yeah, that's my wine review. It's not terrible. I've definitely had worse Chardonnays, so I'm going to be able to drink... A, probably a good amount of this and i'm already almost halfway through the bottle that add a girl add a girl Sh- shardy party well M- melissa had to give me like emergency therapy on my wine for the night because <laughs> she knows more about wine than i do so i am so tired and like have been beating my body to shit by drinking way too much lately and i wasn't gonna drink tonight but i was like so tired i could not drink you know sometimes like drinking is what you need to wake back up yeah yeah, so I had to do that, but it's cold, and I didn't want to get a white, and I also didn't want to drink a whole bottle of wine tonight, and I knew if I got white, I would, so I got a red, so I will be reviewing my first red ever on this Dang. podcast. I have not had a red before, um, and this is the first bottle of red I've bought in like over a year. It <laughs> So I got it at my liquor store. It's called 14 Hands, and it's got these horsies on the label. I've fucking reviewed this wine. I think you have. It's a red blend. I don't yeah. know if you did the red uh-huh. blend or not. Um, so I got it because I've had it in the past, and I knew I liked it, or I thought I liked it. But I started uncorking or corking the bottle, and the cork, like, broke off halfway through, which is not a good sign. And I finally managed to, like, dig it out. And I poured it in my beautiful uh, plastic New York pizza cup, which is how you're supposed to drink red wine, as we all know. And it's really weird. And I don't think it's the wine. I think it's the bottle. Like, it's a little tingly on my tongue. And so then I asked Melissa if I was poisoning myself, like if something was wrong with the wine. And she said that there is such a thing as wine being corked. Which is where, I don't know, you explain it. Like, basically, the cork tree that the cork is made out of could be gross or infected, and then that can impact the wine. Yeah. So, you, like, when when they go into cork trees and chop them down and start creating corks, there's no way that they can see if the cork is contaminated with any type of bacteria or, like, disease. Right. And so they just start fucking putting corks in wine, and then that wine that's in the bottle is just, like, marinating in cork infestation right and so it typically will become like a little bit more sour and just like kind of gross smelling but it's totally fine you won't die and you can consume the whole bottle and nothing bad will happen to you so i googled it because i needed to see if it would kill me <laughs> and the so the noun that goes with the verb of being corked is called cork taint which had me laughing for like a full minute <laughs> And if you need to know if like, oh, if you think that your bottle of wine might be corked, know that cork taint will not kill you. It just might ruin your good time. So it's not going to make you sick. It's just might not make your wine so tasty. So I'm pretty sure I'm drinking cork taint tonight. (laughs) 
Um, or it just could be like this bottle of wine isn't as good as I thought it was. Unclear. But I am drinking the 14 Hands Hot to Trot Red Blend, Columbia Valley 2015. Sweet. Which may or may not be rotten. So we'll see if I survive <laughs> for Seattle. Um, Enjoy your rot wine. Oh my God. Hot to rot. Oh my God. Because it's called Hot to Trot. <laughs> It was trying to warn me. Okay. All right. Let me. I know I'm going first, so let me fucking hang on. It's like the second it hits my tongue, my tongue starts tingling. Well, I mean, it's like effervescent, but red wines shouldn't be effervescent, right? Well, I mean, that's also usually like a symptom of like the tannins going into effect on your, like your palate. Is that normal? With red wine, yeah. I'm like, like, it's been so long since I've had red. Maybe this is usually, just red wine. Usually not so much with a blend, because blends are usually not as tanniny. Like, you would expect that more with a Cabernet. Hmm. Or, like, a Syrah or something. I think I liked, when I used to drink reds, I think I liked Syrahs and Pinots. I think those are, like, the two I would drink. Okay, you're confirming that. I feel like yeah. we have similar palettes. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I hate tannin. I hate that chalky, like word yeah like texture on your tongue so i pretty much only fuck with pinos for sure all right my woman today was in part inspired by melissa's coverage of vitamin c last week because this is a really good where are they now woman and i had looked her up like years before we had even talked about having a podcast one night i was getting drunk with my friend jamiroqua drinking wine eating our vegetarian charcuterie and we were like what the fuck ever happened to this woman and we looked her up and she had this whole secondary career that i don't think anybody really knows about but she's someone that almost anybody over the age of 25 knows even if they don't know her name they know her face and they probably know her body Mm-hmm. So, to, uh-huh. so today I will be covering the actress slash singer Tia Carrera, who some of you and I'm hoping most of you know as the mega babe band leader Cassandra Wong from the 1992 tour de fucking force Wayne's World. Oh my god, that literally, I was still completely clueless as fuck until you said Wayne's World. But now you know exactly who I'm talking yes. about. Yes, yes, yes. 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 I we didn't all, know that was her name at all. We all remember the red lace number and the white electric guitar. That is Tia Carrera. And I'm choosing her because she has this whole second life to her career that most of us don't know about, which you will learn about shortly. Okay, so Tia Carrera was born... Althea or Altia Ray. Oh my god, that's a Grateful Dead song. Oh, really? How yeah. do you say it? Althea. Okay, so she was born Althea Ray Gennaro in 1967 in Honolulu, Hawaii. She is a mix of Chinese, Filipino, and Spanish descent. And if I'm hoping you've all seen Wayne's World, it's so good and it holds up over time. She's gorgeous, like absolute drop-dead model gorgeous. And as a child, she wanted to be a singer after her grandmother took her to her first singing lesson at the age of 11. So she goes to her first singing lesson. She's like, this is what I want to do. I'm hell of hot. I'm super cute. Like, I'm going to do this. She tries it for a while. In 1985, 
she actually gets onto Star Search. Remember that show? Yep. But was eliminated in her first round. However, shortly thereafter, she was walking around in a grocery store in Hawaii, and she was approached by this elderly couple, and they were like, hey, our son's a film producer. You're absolutely gorgeous. He's casting for a film right now. You should meet with him and audition. She goes to audition, and she becomes the lead star in the movie Aloha Summer, which was like a local... Hawaii. I don't know that any of us know it, but I think it was known in Hawaii. Um, and from there, she moves into some television successes. So she ends up on the soap opera General Hospital. Did you ever watch that? No. Oh my I mean, God. I know what it is. I've never watched it, though. My mom watched that all the time when I was growing up. So, like, I used to know the characters on that show, but she was on there before I was born for two years from 1985 to 1987. After that, she has, like, small appearances on other television shows. She was on MacGyver. She was on Married with Children. Um, But her real big breakout role was, as I said before, in the 1992 smash hit Wayne's World, which rockets her into the spotlight. That movie made $183 million worldwide, which, like, I didn't realize that movie was as big as that. I mean, I kind of did. I feel like even, like, kids today who've never even seen Wayne's World still like, know what Wayne's World is. And they, like, know those characters yeah. when they see them. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. So, and that's, like, in the 90s. Like, 183 million? That's huge. Yeah, that is huge. So, it was a humongous success. She was gorgeous. She's a singer in that movie. If you haven't seen it, watch it this second or as soon as this episode is done. But she's a singer for, like, a rock band, and she sings all of the songs in that movie. So when you see her singing, that's actually her voice. And she sounds great. Um, They make a sequel the following year. She stars in that as well. And suddenly, everybody's like, who is this girl? And, oh, fun fact, she actually turned down a role on Baywatch to take her role in Wayne's World. Wow. And you can actually see online, like, there were pictures of her, like, in the red swimsuit. Like, she was, red, like, lined up and ready to go and start this new role. And then she saw the Wayne's World script, and she was like, hold up. Like, this is about to be my moment. And yeah. she, she passed on David Hasselhoff and went to Wayne's World. In 1992, so the year that Wayne's World came out, People Magazine named Tia Carrera as one of the 50 most beautiful people. Um, And then by 1994, she was landing other roles in big movies. She was the villainess in the movie uh, True Lies. Do you remember that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger? And I think um, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it too. I don't know. It's just like some dumb 90s action movie. But she plays this like super hot villain who does like the strip tease, of course. Um, And she was in other Hollywood films. And her last like big starring role was in a TV show, Relic Hunter. She was the lead and she basically played this like Indiana Jones meets Tomb Raider kind of character, like sexy action archaeologist mm-hmm. um which like by the way why do we make archaeologists sound so cool in media like i think they're literally just brushing bones in the dirt <laughs> but they always get these badass characters you know what i mean they really do <laughs> yeah so if you're an archaeologist and you do that shit please email us most gmail.com okay so that show ran from 1999 to 2002 and then from there she was in a bunch of like sp- I don't want to say small roles, but she was in High School High. I don't know if you remember that movie. Uh, she was the the voice of the bigger sister in Lilo and Stitch and actually sang songs on the soundtrack. She's been on Dancing with the Stars. Really? She was in the fifth season of Celebrity Apprentice. Wow. 
And she's also appeared in several episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm as one of the main character's girlfriends. Huh. That's a good fucking role to get. Right? I love that show. In 2003, she was featured in Playboy magazine. And I've actually seen that issue. Uh, She looks great, but in the interview that I saw on YouTube of her and Oprah Winfrey, she jokes about how when Lilo and Stitch came out was when the Playboy issue was released. So she was literally like in a Disney movie and in Playboy at the same time. (laughs) Awkward! (laughs) Which I love. She seemed really, really tickled pink by that. Um, So that's an overview of her acting and screen career and that's pretty much how everyone knows her but oh no there is more to tia carrera's story there is more to tia carrera's carrera oh my god (laughs) (laughs) melissa's like we're not going to podcon anymore (laughs) we just broke up uh so she as i mentioned earlier had always wanted to be a singer that was her original dream and in 1993 following the success of her wayne's world breakout role she released her solo album dream which was pretty much unknown here but went platinum in the philippines and then she didn't really do anything with music for a while. She had a couple of one-offs here and there, but didn't make any other albums until she did some songs for the Lilo and Stitch album. And she returned to her Hawaiian roots with a 2007 album called Hawaiiana, Hawaiiana, which earned her a 2008 Grammy nomination Whoa. for Best Hawaiian Music Album. Wow. Which is a category of the Grammys. On that success, in 2009, she released another album called Ikena, which I'm probably saying wrong, which won her the Grammy for Best Hawaiian Music Album. Holy she, shit. she was nominated again in 2010, so third year in a row, for her album Hey Nanai, I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong, again nominated for the Grammy for Best Hawaiian Music Album. And then in 2011, she won her second Grammy for her album, Huana Ke Aloha, which was her fifth and so far final album, which she also won the Grammy for Best Hawaiian Music Album. So she has this whole second half to her career where she is a like well-known Hawaiian singer who is snatching Grammys all the way up to 2011. Did she go back to Hawaii or is she just producing Hawaiian music? She lives in LA, like all okay. sexy stars do, but I think she goes back there. She works with a, I didn't write his name down. I think it's, I know his last name is Ho. but he was a hawaiian producer that she's known for years so i think she goes back there to like record her albums and obviously her family's there so she probably goes back there a lot so tia carrera the super hot chick from wayne's world who you thought had disappeared off planet earth has had this entire second career as a grammy winning hawaiian singer and i think that's so wild isn't that nuts yes yeah yeah so is it like the type of music that they like hula like hula dance to it's actually really pretty so i listened to some of her songs on youtube it's like 
You know that cover of Somewhere Over the Rainbow? And I yeah, forget yeah, that, yeah. but that With Hawaiian the version. It's kind of like that. Just sort of like dreamy, be- but beachy, like mm-hmm. melodic. I was thinking it would actually be a great song to take like a trip down the coast to or a great album to take a trip down the coast to. Just kind of like vibing, chill, pretty. Mm-hmm. And she sings partially in English and partially in native Hawaiian. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah. So it's a mix. Uh, yeah. So like so- super super random how old do you think she is now she's now 52 years old she looks gorgeous of course um and she's got two grammys under her belt and there's a quote from her interview on the oprah channel that i liked she said years from now i never want to look back and wonder what if and she was saying that when she was talking about the fact that she'd been in both playboy and lilo and stitch just basically like i just want to do what i want to do and explore the opportunities i have even if that means being in a disney movie and a porn magazine at the same time <laughs> that is hilarious so that is it's a short story but that is the the story of tia carrera and as I said, I looked this up when I was drunk a few years ago, and I've, I've intended to, f- to f- cover her at some point because it's such a good where are they now. Like, yeah. everyone knows who she is, but nobody knows what happened to her. Um, and you inspired me with your story about vitamin C becoming VP of music at Nickelodeon. So Fuck, I'm still high off that story. I know. So I love these, like, women having these secondary careers. To this day, she does some work. Like, she hasn't released an album since 2011, but she... Okay, like every year has a, a role or two in either a voice, like an animated film as a voice actress or as a cameo in real life. So she's just out there doing her thing, looking hot, winning Grammys, and I living love life. It. Yeah, that's Tia Carrera. Cool. Now you know. Now you know. I'm like not sure what her zodiac sign is. Ain't got no reason for reaction. That's just a really good song from Wayne's World. Um, I I don't think it's like impossible to guess, but it's probably not going to be your first guess. I have two guesses. Okay. I'm going to say them both at the same time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Pisces or Sagittarius? No and no. Hmm. Sh- should I give you a hint? Yeah. She's an earth sign. Fuck. I don't know. I would... I'm Taurus. Her birthday was a week ago today. She is a Capricorn. How? I mean, she's obviously successful. Well, yeah. She climbed... She climbed to the top of the Hawaiian music mountain. That's true. This is true. So, like I said, it's not like... Wouldn't be your first guess. But you can kind of like... Okay. I guess, like, her being from Hawaii could technically make her a sea goat. That's... That's (laughs) geographist. But I also think... Okay, what you could also think about is in terms of how she started out wanting to be a singer and then ended up like modeling and acting and being a voice actress, but still at the end of the day, she ended up pursuing her dream, which was to be a singer and a Grammy yeah. award winning one. So you could, if you really wanted to justify it, you could use that. Okay. All right. I'll take Capricorn. Okay. I'm glad you accept her sign. Fine. Yeah. That's the, I know that was short, but you know what? That's fine because we're having technical problems and I'm drinking cork taint. So. <laughs> it's one hell of a night. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so great. We're for for the listeners out there. Before we get into my spiel, we're having like 
the worst tech problems we've ever had and so much of this episode is getting cut so you don't hear the frustrations that are taking place on our end so fyi it's been a weird technical week for the podcast (laughs) lots of strange technical issues is mercury's not retrograde though nope no, no I think that's just what happens when you long distance podcast at some point and you're on two different time zones okay and you live in a swamp I do <laughs> where, where the weather <laughs> steals your chairs off your front porch uh, I am fucking stoked about my person today because I've never ever heard of her and I literally had to whip this together today because I had just like no fucking time and i found her in the book that you gave me okay which i think was called american badass women or something of that sort i have it somewhere around here but uh so i found her out of this book and i was just like blown away by her story and this is somebody who's so different from anybody we've covered yet so i'm even more excited Okay. Uh, I'm hoping you've never heard of her because I'm. I want you to enjoy the like exploration of this story as much as I did as I was reading it. So I'm really hopeful you don't know who she is. But her name is Temple Grandin. I have no idea who that is. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I don't think most people know who Temple Grandin is, and I don't know if I'm saying her last name right, but that's how I'm pronouncing it. I asked a few girls at work today. They'd never heard of her. So the short, brief summary of Temple is that she is an autistic spokesperson who's dedicated her life to reducing the suffering and anxiety of animals, and she's an advocate for the humane treatment of livestock for slaughter whoa okay which is so complex okay all of it is so complex and it's one of the most unbelievable stories i think i've ever heard um so i'm really excited to tell you her life So, Temple was born in 1947 in Boston, Massachusetts to a very wealthy family that was filled with some of the most successful and talented geniuses. Like, listen to this family gene lineup. So, she had four siblings who all grew up to become artists, sculptors, and bankers. Her mother was an actress and a singer, and her father was a real estate agent and heir to the largest corporate wheat farm business in America at that time, which was called Grandin Farms. Her paternal great-grandfather and his brother were French Huguenots. I don't even know if that's the right way to say that. (laughs) I think it's Huguenot, but I actually have no idea what the fuck that means. Well, that's what they were, and they drilled for oil, and they were intending to cut a deal with John D. Rockefeller, and her maternal great-grandfather was the co-inventor for the autopilot aviation system. So just, like, all these fucking people in her family were, for whatever reason, doing crazy shit. Like, they were all just, like, a family team of, like, groundbreaking startup basically okay so like two things one aren't you so glad that's not your family like imagine how high that bar would be well (laughs) yes 
that's okay. what I'm about to get into. Okay, wait. Second thing for the education of our listeners, the Huguenots were French Protestants of the 16th to 17th centuries who were largely Calvinists. The end. So yeah, like you had mentioned, like having to grow up in a family that was that successful and talented and you being the autistic daughter. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't even imagine. So that was her reality. So... Oh, and I forgot to also mention her parents got divorced when she was 15 years old. And then her mother went on to remarry a man named Ben Cutler, who was a famous New York saxophonist. So (laughs) she was like, I'm going to get some good cunnilingus at long last. That's who does it. Oh, the saxophone players. So, so yeah. Um, so yeah, so then there was Temple, the young woman that everybody knew of as being different since she was a baby. She didn't talk, laugh, or make eye contact, and she had enormous tantrums. In 1949, when she was two years old, a doctor diagnosed her as having brain damage, but her brain wasn't damaged at all. She was just insanely brilliant. And when she was in her mid-teens, her mother discovered a checklist on autism that was published by a well-known psychologist and who ended up becoming the founder of the Autism Research Institute. And so her mother, just like based off that checklist, determined that Temple had autism. But at this time, the medical advice for a diagnosis of autism was to recommend institutionalization. Mm -hmm. So it was just like straight to the doctor's office to be put in a room and to like be never seen or heard from again, basically. Um, And her father was like down to follow that advice while her mother was like, fuck no, like she's not going to some institution because she knew that if she sent her daughter there, she'd probably never see her again. Mm. So her mom ended up doing all kinds of shit to try and find like an another option and she ended up um with the world's leading special needs researchers at the boston children's hospital in hopes of finding like some other option for temple she eventually hired a speech therapist and temple received personalized speech therapy starting at age two and a half and at three she had a nanny who played educational games with her for hours on end a day So Temple was a visual thinker. Her mind showed her pictures instead of words. So as a child, she was like a really incredible artist. She loved to design and build things. Um, But just like talking to people and interacting with people made her extremely uncomfortable. And it was just not her jam. So her mom actively sought out and paid for private schools that were sympathetic to her daughter's special needs issues. And when she was in school, she was considered, like, the nerdy kid, and everybody made fun of her. She recalled times when she would, like, walk down the hallways, and her fellow students used to taunt her by calling her tape recorder because of her habit of, like, repetitive speech. Like, she'd just, like, repeat things over and over, you know? Um, And she was quoted to say later in life, I could laugh about it now, but back then it really hurt. So she ended up getting expelled at the age of 14 for throwing a book at a schoolmate who had taunted her. (laughs) (laughs) Which, like, 
throw that fucking book dude you know yeah and so that summer her mom decided to send her to go spend the summer with her aunt who had lived in arizona on like a cattle ranch farm and that's where temple discovered like her natural born love for animals so she knew after that summer that animals had feelings but they couldn't express themselves with words and this was exactly how temple felt herself she realized that autistic people and animals had a lot in common so the following school year temple was sent to a private boarding school in new hampshire for children with behavioral issues and it was there that she met william carlock who was a science teacher who had worked for nasa and who ended up becoming a huge mentor for her in her life and who helped like really build her self-esteem and confidence in like the science world and so william carlock is also the person who gave temple the idea to build herself what was called a hug box which she referred to as a squeeze machine so basically what happened is that temple when she went to arizona and was on that cattle ranch farm she was there for like a few months during the summer and like she basically was just observing animals and like connecting with animals and something that she noticed while she was on the farm was when the cows would be taken into these little crates to be given their vaccinations like whenever like i think the cows like started to realize they knew what was going down like they were about to be like shot up with like shots or whatever and like i don't know if it's something that happened periodically so they knew when it was time but like when they were going to be led to these crates they kind of like start to panic and freak out and they'd like be kicking around because they knew that they were going to be you know having to get shot pretty soon with a vaccine but as soon as they like were finally gotten into this little crate thing and it kind of had a little uh like it kind of went over the cow and under the cow and like kind of like cradled the cow's body the minute that it went into that little device the cows suddenly like calmed down and were at peace and when she was observing this she had this like epiphany about herself and like other people with behavioral issues and it sparked her to invent the machine which she called either hug box or squeeze machine and it was a deep pressure device that was designed to calm hypersensitive people and so it was literally something that human beings can like crawl into and then it like encloses and it just kind of like hugs your body and it worked for her like whenever she'd have really like hypersensitive like kind of episodes she'd climb into this hug box and like immediately that thing would enclose on her and she'd be overcome with like you know like feeling so much better and just like calmed down and she fucking invented this human device while watching cows out on the fucking ranch like how insane is that (laughs) that also have you heard of thunder vests for dogs no it's a similar thing like dogs that are really afraid of thunder or fireworks or big sounds it's like this compression shirt that you put on them and then they feel like hugged and safe it's like they're safe yeah wild so this guy william carlock he like he was the one who kind of like helped her or pushed her to like actually move forward with this idea that she had and um he helped her build the squeeze machine and at 18 years old they were doing this together when she was still attending the boarding school which was like high school for her and he 
like continued to be a supportive role in her life even after she graduated from the boarding school and most notably was when she had been facing a bunch of criticism for her squeeze machine at her college so like when she graduated high school she went to college and she was still trying to like launch the squeeze machine and like everybody at college was like you fucking idiot like what the hell is this garbage you know like they gave her shit like nobody needs this like what's the deal and he she would like reach back out to him and be like oh they don't like my idea they don't like my idea like it's terrible blah 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 and he continued to be like no like this is fucking genius like don't stop keep doing it and so like it eventually did become a a thing that she invented but it probably wouldn't have you know come to that if it wasn't for him like being such a giant champion of hers so that's super fucking cool props to you dude um I love I love that like relationship that 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 they had and so she also had ideas for ways that farmers and ranchers could help their animals feel safe and happy and so she'd use her drawing skills and visual mind and she started to design different types of pens for the animals walkways other devices and the buildings that would improve the animals quality of life and as she also tried to launch these and get these out into like the livestock industry so many Many of the farmers and ranchers didn't want to work with her because they thought her ideas were so strange and they also didn't think that an autistic woman could help them they were like who the fuck is this like what do you know about our cattle you know like what are you talking about but once they saw the animals reacted to her like once they saw how the animals reacted and how well her ideas work they finally started to listen So Temple went on to earn her bachelor's degree in human psychology from Franklin Pierce College in 1970. Then she got a master's degree in animal science from Arizona State University in 1975. And then she got a doctoral degree in animal science from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign in 1989. She's written several books, she's worked as a college professor, and she's given speeches all around the world. She's literally dedicated her entire life to reducing the suffering and anxiety of animals, and she's also internationally famous as a spokesperson for autism. She's been noted as helping break down years of shame and stigma because she was one of the first adults to publicly disclose that she was autistic. And she was quoted to say, the part of other people that has emotional relationships is not part of me, which isn't surprising that she neither married or had children in her life. And she has noted in her autobiographical works that autism affects every aspect of her life. She has to wear comfortable clothes to counteract her sensory processing disorder, and she has structured her lifestyle to avoid sensory overload. She regularly takes antidepressants but no longer uses her squeeze box, stating that in February 2010, quote, It broke two years ago, and I never got around to fixing it. I'm into hugging people now. Um, In 2010, she was named in the Time 100 list of the 100 most influential person in the world in the heroes category. In 2011, she received a double helix medal. She has received honorary degrees from many universities. In 2012, she was inducted into the Texas Trail of Fame. She's received a meritorious achievement award from the World Organization for Animal Health in 
2015. In 2016, she was inducted into the American Academy of Arts and Science. And in 2017, she was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. But, like, one of the craziest fun facts about her that I think is insane, but I guess it I guess it makes sense for the time period of which she was a child. She had no formal diagnosis consistent with being on the autistic spectrum until she was in her 40s. Like, no doctor actually was able to diagnose her as being autistic that one doctor at two years old was like oh she must have brain damage and like that was literally her her diagnosis her whole life Mm -hmm. until she was in her 40s and then like went to a doctor finally like a real doctor that was like progressive and had like studied real medicine but when they did diagnose her they also determined her to be what's called an autistic savant i don't know if that's i'm saying that right either but savants Mm -hmm. and that's basically a condition in which someone with significant mental disabilities demonstrates certain skills that far exceed the average person and these skills generally relate to memory rapid calculations and artistic and musical abilities and to end on a quote from hers that i really like she says i think using animals for food is an ethical thing to do but we've got to do it right we've got to give those animals a decent life and we've got to give them a painless death we owe the animals respect and uh that's your girl temple grandin how sweet and she's still alive she's still alive she's 71 years old oh temple so cute she's so sweet i know and just like how much she's accomplished yeah how many degrees she has yeah like yeah. inventing things like being you know a huge advocate and like making change in industries out there like mm-hmm. so yeah that's her i love her she's so cute and she's smart. so cute she's cute and smart and, and sweet what does she call it um so she called it the squeeze machine but like somehow society decided to call it the hug machine but that was never the original name for it that's so cute did she ever like did anybody ever like buy one i mean like yeah yeah no they were out they're out there like i don't know if they're still out there Uh but no it was especially like her having you know kind of um when her diagnosis of being autistic it was taking place in such like a taboo time period of those mental disorders i think when she did develop that device it was very much needed for autistic people and so when it came to be like there was no option other than putting them in mental institutions and so it was a huge groundbreaking invention that you know really just helped comfort people that have those type of social disabilities yeah cute yeah so i don't know if it's still being used today but it definitely was being used at that time i just think it's fucking nuts (laughs) that like you know she clearly had a very um you know serious uh autistic she was high on the the spectrum of autism Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think she probably really struggled her whole life to be understood to be heard to like connect with other people to tell people what she needs what she wants like that communication was like horrendously flawed for her Mm -hmm. and for her to like 
be out here on this farm and just be like kicking it with the cows and the horses and like for her to just visualize and observe them and make so much sense of herself to the point that she was able to like articulate how she could comfort herself like how she she could take care of herself how you know what she needs that she's never been able to communicate and then she goes and fucking makes it she's like okay well i'll just make it for myself then i don't know there's something so cool to me about her connection to animals that gave her so much more clarity about her own situation yeah yeah i think that's what's so touching about her story is that even though she had the problems connecting with people like she saw animals and she i think like she's like oh yeah they get me which i'm like right hashtag relatable (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah so what's her wait what's her last name it's grand uh it's spelled g-r-a-n-d-i-n okay temple Grand. and her first name's actually not temple and i can't even remember what it was her middle name's temple but the reason why they called her temple is because they had all these like house ladies that lived there because they were so rich and like one of them had the same name as her and so they just started calling her temple (laughs) oh rich people problems right (laughs) but she's like famous and known as the name temple so i just called her temple throughout the whole thing okay um but yeah i don't know i think she's fucking rad i think it's so cool her story and just like how successful she became like you really don't hear a lot of success stories with you know from people with disabilities yeah and like she's not only you know so fucking smart and she has all these awards and got all these degrees and she's just like she's just made so much change in the world and i feel like people not only don't expect that from people with disabilities but they they just like i don't know i don't even think they give them the chance they don't even they don't even allow the possibility for that to even ever happen and she Mm -hmm. just was like fucking flew through the world and was like bang bang boom bomb 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 just fucking did it all biddly bang hell yeah also like big ups to her mom for figuring that shit out so early and like so so early in her life and so early in that field of research and science that she was like no i'm gonna figure out what's going on with this kid and i'm gonna try to do right by her yeah and she you know she's lucky she is very fortunate that her family had money right because she did she was able to be put in the best schools and to be given extra help you know and stuff like that but i think it's awesome how much her mother just would not stop would not give up on her yeah like she was very like i know i'm gonna i'm gonna get this handled you're gonna go to all the like she wanted her to have the best possible life she didn't just throw her in the fucking institution you know yeah so sweet all around i know all right i might need i might need to ask questions about her sign okay do you think i'll be able to guess it um i think i it's not shockingly surprising to me what her sign is okay uh i don't know if it would be a first guess but i think once you know it you'll be like okay yeah okay i'm gonna ask for a hint okay is she a fire sign no okay the only reason i asked that is because she threw a book at someone Oh, God, I have, like, completely opposite guesses. Okay, I have a few guesses. One of them is Aquarius. 
and the other one is Virgo. She's a Virgo. Woo! <laughs> I was struggling between Virgo and another Earth sign, but she's so academic that I went with Virgo. Okay. Yeah, I also just think her connection to animals is kind of Virgo. Oh yeah, totally. Right, right. You guys are like farmers and shit. Right? <laughs> Yeah, we sow the wheat. You smoke the weed? Yeah. <laughs> you guys are like farmers and shit. That that's true. The the symbol of the Virgo is a what do they call it? A wrath of wheat. Um, some shit. it's like a large grain of like wheat and the whole idea behind Virgo being in like the fall is that when the seeds get planted we sow the herbs or whatever <laughs> I don't know <laughs> something like that I love it when's her birthday <laughs> August 29th okay she's an early Virg yeah okay. early Virg gets the worm okay I'll stop now I'll stop yeah sorry I'm gonna stop, stop don't be so, why are you jealous of my joke making abilities they've been extra question. corny today <laughs> whatever i'm drinking cork taint this is true okay drinking well lovely taint. i like that we had i feel like that was an interesting episode like i feel like it those was. are two people most people when they see on the on the description they're gonna be like who are these women so i'm excited yeah, yeah. okay cool any wrap up women of the week you never have women do you have a woman no, no. okay <laughs> never ever do you i have ever? like used up all my women like no i did have one but i just realized she might be my subject for next week's episode so i'm not gonna say okay it. don't say it because that's no. our most important episode ever 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 so i do feel like there was someone else but i already forgot who they were great but if someone out there did something great for me, and I know it. Thank you so much. Oh my god! Quick though, two things. A, aren't you seeing Elton John soon? I am. When is that? It is February first. <gasps> okay, so it's like a month away. You definitely have to do a recap when that happens. Obvi. And secondly, Fleetwood fucking Mac is coming to New Orleans next month. Are you going to go? Girl, the cheapest nosebleed tickets are like 170 bucks. And I really? am broke to death. Is the venue tiny? No, it's huge. That My fucking Elton tickets weren't even that expensive. The, the floor, so it's like the smoothie center, which is where the basketball is played. <laughs> Whatever, I don't even know her team. The Pelicans? I don't know. Uh, the floor seats, $800. Well, yeah, there were 10 grand for Elton. No! Yeah, there were 10 grand in front row for Elton. <laughs> mine i think were 95 a piece i can't remember is that but like they the like back yeah the back but like not horribly not like the worst seats on earth because you know sometimes they get them all the way to the side where you're yeah. like behind the stage no they're like in the front so like it's a, it's good i can see the stage but they're they're in the back like you yeah know, the, the back top but 
I mean, those seats were at least ni- high 90s, which with taxes and shipping and all right. that, way above 100. Well, so that's that's what I'm saying is like after fees and everything, that's going to be for the worst seats in the house over 200 bucks. I'm like, bro, I can't. Like, I'm too broke. But oh. uh, I know. I saw Fleetwood once. Uh, where? At the Oracle in with Oakland. St- with Stevie? Yeah, with Stevie, yeah, and yeah. Uh, she performed with Rod Stewart, and they <laughs> did <laughs> they did a duet, which will be my future wedding song, or Leather and Lace. Oh, thank God, because Don Henley ruins the fucking studio version of that song. I would love to hear Rod Stewart on that song. Oh, well, and they used to date, and so while they were duetting Leather and Lace together, behind them on the big screen was like an old slideshow of them when they were dating. <laughs> And it was like literally you drop dead, like crying. Like they were like everyone. But like they were like kids, they were so young, like they were all in love, and then here they are at like 70 duetting to this song together. That's kinda cute. It was really cute. And Rod Stewart like is doing the splits at 78, by the way. (sighs) That's amazing. I like that she sang that a song originally with someone she dated, and then she sang it with a different guy. Who she also dated at her life. Damn, Stevie was out in the streets, dude. She was. Yeah, she was out there getting her getting her life. Fuck, you should try and go to that show. I know, I'm so broke. So, you guys, if you want to send me money, which you obviously <laughs> do, please, <laughs> please, you can just email me money. <sighs> so good. Yeah. So... Alright, well that's All it right. that. We will, the next time you hear from us, y'all... We will be on one microphone. We will. I'm and really hopefully excited. hopefully it will be my microphone so that our audio will sound great. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully you eat a dick. Oh my god. Guys, I'm so sorry if this if this episode sounds extremely choppy. It's my but um we we had a really rough go today. Yeah. So we can only do what we can do. Yeah. But it'll be okay. All right. We will see y'all in two weeks. Two weeks. Wish us luck, fuckers. We're going to go buttfuck (laughs) Bodcon. Well, have a good night. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.